You seen the dead. When did that start? Miss Travis. But I know people who are born with it. And then, of course, there's Ennis. It happens around here all the time. I think the world is getting old. And Ennis is where the fabric of all things is coming apart at the seams. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. This all seems on the up and up. Um, this seems like something I can do. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, I here. I want to start with a little story. Oh, I love st- story time with Bo. It's been a while. It's not that good a story, <laughs> but I think it's it, it's a more a bizarre happening. So oh, I'm walking the dog. Uh, get home from work. Uh, grab the dog. Dog's all excited, you know, because it, it's uh, it's poop time. And I take the dog on his walk, and someone has lane across uh, a garbage bin as mm-hmm. as you say in yes your neck of the nape yeah a full size and when i say full size i mean human being size stuffed bear <laughs> so it's just like sprawled across the thing as if it had been shot and staggered backward and fallen onto it. So I walk by it and I'm like, well, that's pretty fucking weird. And the dog, like the hackles go up because the mm. dog thinks it's a, a person, a somebody yeah. is there. And I'm like, no, no, a no. Threat. So, you know, we, we go on our walk and on the way back, here's the, th- here's the reason I want to bring this up, Duncan. Here's the reason it's a problem is the, <laughs> the first thought I had was like, well, I got to get that, right? Like, I can't just leave that there. But then, I like, cooler heads prevailed. Yep. Because then I was like, well, then I'm just going to throw it away in like a week after I mm-hmm. realized, like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> Why did I do that? Right, like rescuing stuffed animals from their rightful fate <laughs> in, in the dump. But it was like, I, but it kind of blew my mind that there's this like pristine, like it wasn't ratty or mm-hmm. missing an eye or anything. And immediately I'm building this Hemingway-esque tale of a love gone wrong. And this was the bear that he won for at the fair. It's and- almost as if you've never watched any horror movies at all, bro. <laughs> like, like, not one. <laughs> like, yeah. not one. That's literally the opening to a horror movie right there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'd really be asking for a, like a five nights at Bose scenario. <laughs> five nights at Bose. But it blew my mind. Like I could look at my window right now and see it, and it's there, taunting me with its very existence. Yeah, you won't be seeing that if you open the curtains and it's like, "Well, hi, Bull. <laughs> right, it's right there, <laughs> right at the window, like that. Are you, you going to rescue me? <laughs> I'm going to rescue you. <laughs> Oh fuck, Duncan! <laughs> Call the bear police. It's just like so the screen goes black, and all of a sudden, it's Duncan and Bear come correct. <laughs> um. <laughs> do you want to watch Twin Peaks with me? Yes, yes, I do, Mister Bear. Um, we can speaking do- of Twin Peaks, by the way, 
Come, come on. What's come going on? on? Did did I, we, what did I miss? Do we have a new log lady? What? Fiona Shaw. Oh, shit. Okay. She is, she is, she is log lady. Come on. Yeah, 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 for sure. I was okay. like, what the, what have you heard? What's going on? Are they, <laughs> like, is there going to the be show, another season? We, um, we have a new log lady, ladies and gents. In fact, actually, if David Lynch wants to replace the log lady. Yes. And the future, that's who you replace her with. We'll, yes, we'll get it. Fiona Dear Shaw Dear comes God. front and center mm. in these episodes, or this episode. Episode. I've um, not seen the next one yet. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, I'm no. Not, I'm, I, as right. soon as we finish this, I'm going to watch that. That's literally what I, because I thought I didn't want to color any. That's what any I said. Scenes. Yes, we're See, fucking mind. professionals. That's fucking professionals. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> the, we we are of course talking about uh, True Detective season four episode two. We'll get into that in a minute. Mm. We didn't say this earlier, but this is in fact Duncan and Bo come uh, uh, correct. Not Duncan and Bear come correct. Not Duncan, Duncan and Bo come correct. I'm here if you need me. <laughs> I'll be waiting in the wings. <laughs> Just watching and a judging. <laughs> judging. <laughs> you know you're falling hard times when a, a teddy bear that's been thrown out is judging you. It's like that time, I don't know if I ever told you this. Um, I uh, I used to have... I used to be particularly fond of, when I was a bit younger, of a, a clothing brand called Iron Fist. And they used to make uh-huh. the most obnoxiously loud tops. I mean, like, really, really, really loud tops. But they do, like, horror collabs and stuff. It was really, really cool. And I had this one top, and it was called Tentacle Eyeball. And it was pretty much what it sounds like. It was, like, the most, like, garish, aluminous-coloured, like, blue tentacles with all these things and giant eyeballs all over it, and I fucking loved this. And uh, I wore it out um, for a night out drinking in Edinburgh. And Edinburgh already looks like it's fucking Hogwarts, right? It already, it's like, it's, it's an old, like, the fog rolls in. It's like, like you, you literally expect to hear, like, Jack the Ripper struck again. You know what I mean? Like, literally, <laughs> that's... A Bobby walking by. <laughs> Hello. That's what it feels like. And I was walking down one of the many alleyways, which, if you didn't know Edinburgh, you would think, oh, I'll, I'm going to die if I walk down there, but you're not going to die. And I was walking down in a... <laughs> shit you not, as I was walking down with my now wife, um, walked past a homeless guy who said, Excuse me, man. Excuse me. And I turned around and went, what? It was like that. Even I wouldn't wear that top. <laughs> was like, I've just been heckled with a home, heckled by a homeless man. who A very self-aware homeless. Oh, yeah. He was like, fully, he was fully, he looked at that top and he was like, even if I was cold, yeah. even if I was hungry, I would not wear that top. <laughs> I mean, I'm a piece of shit, but even I. Wouldn't work that. <laughs> I have no idea why fucking Dick Van Dyke all of a sudden has appeared. Hello, Mary Poppins. I wouldn't wear that hoodie. Because that is how I... No matter what country you are from in the UK, yep. it all yep. sounds like Dick Van Dyke to me. It's, it's, all, it's all an American doing a bad it's... English accent. <laughs> oh, awesome. Right. Awesome. Yeah, That's great. Trying to sound smart also. <laughs> I don't know if he was trying to sound smart. Putting on airs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this anyway. Off, this is off to a very good start. Um, awesome. Duncan. Yes. Uh, let, <laughs> let us talk about what we've been watching. One good, one bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
uh, please, by all means, kick it off. Uh, take your pick. What do you? What uh, do you yeah. Feel so like? in my good, in my good, I revisited uh, because we are mere what a month and a bit away from part two. I revisited uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Yeah, um, I've yet to do that, but I will. But you had seen it first time, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's uh, it's even better on the second watch. Like even better, and like like small nuances that I picked up, um, and and some of the like, design. Like Villeneuve is such a fucking great director that like you can miss shit just watching scenes, like stuff in the background, um, like a particular detail. But what what I had forgotten is just like just in general how great the casting is in that movie. Like, across the board, it's just... Like, actors that I don't particularly like shine in the roles that they've been given. And then other actors that are just, like, phenomenal. Like, it's a tour de force watching them. So, and, I mean, that movie is... What is it? It's about two and three-quarter hours in length, I think. And it flies. Flies right through. So, um, so yeah, like, this is your... This is your uh, public service announcement, your PSA, ladies and gents, to remind you out there that Denis Villeneuve is arguably, pound for pound, one of the best directors just walking the planet. And it doesn't matter if his movies make millions upon millions or the, um, they do. Um, it doesn't matter because he will still make incredible movies as if it's nothing. That man has never made a bad movie. In fact, if anything, his movies just keep getting more engaging, grander. His world building is just is mind blowing. And um, yeah, we are all better people for having him in here. He did tease that I want to do more Dune beyond the second and final chapter. And as much as I want that, I'm also going to say no. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. Do th- like you got the two parts out. That's great. Now go and do something else. Go yeah. go do something else. Fact, give me another Blade Runner, <laughs> like because I'm selfish that way. Um, yeah, d- just do anything. Yeah, I, I think I'm partial to Arrival. Arrival, uh, Arrival is arguably his best film, and right. I think it's because yeah. the 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 concept, the visuals, and the storytelling are probably at their peak. It's so good. I, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I am not. I agree. He does not have a bad film. Just something about Arrival, and yeah. I have a little bit of an Amy Adams crush, oh, naturally, mm-hmm. and so I just love it. I, I and but like you said, the design, the whole concept of these aliens communicating in a way that is just totally beyond our yeah. ken, and that being the puzzle of the movie, I just, that appeals to me in a very like I love linguistics, and so yeah, it he's he's just he, I think he just operates. As a filmmaker on a completely different level, yeah. Like I think he is. Like there, are, there are certain filmmakers that just find their their language very, very, very quick in their career, and then they just like for better or worse, they continue that through. Oh, we we spoke about it on when we were doing our our recording for De Palma on podcast under the stairs, the first part. And I was talking about how like there are just there are a few filmmakers now that just can command huge budgets and studios like maybe they do get involved, but it doesn't like appear to affect him in any way. And even though he's made a lot of trash, I always come back to Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott is a filmmaker that just seems to churn out like hundred million dollar movies. Like just and it doesn't it doesn't matter how they land. 
at all. He's like as soon as it's out there, he's on to the next project. And I get the feeling that like Denny Villeneuve is a much better filmmaker. So, but the comparison being like he's had some movies like Blade Runner was not a financial success. Correct. Arrival was not a financial success. Um, I want to say Sicario was, but I don't think it was by much. But he still he still was like that done, and they were like, yeah, two like what two movies and all the money like here here have it. Um, and he just he just keeps, but his movies are so well put together. Like yeah. you, like, it's like proper storytelling when you watch one of these movies. I just it's it's incredible. But the the one thing you can say about Villeneuve and getting money at least is, yeah. like you said, I mean, out of the gate, he is he was freakishly good. Oh yeah, like you look at he had um, his two early movies were Enemy, which I still think is fantastic film, yeah, mind blowing, and uh, Prisoners, which which, um, also yeah, which is like like an incredible movie as well. Like here we go, and and to that point, Prisoners garnered Oscar attention. Yes, and as did every movie he's made since. So even if it wasn't critically, they've all been very well received. Right. And um, like from from a, an awards point of view, his movies are always in contention. Like every yeah. every single one is always, and that's probably why at that level you can command budget, right? Because you know studios do gamble to an extent. Mm-hmm. But if like every time out of the gate, this guy is getting Oscar nominations for his cast or the movie or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like. One of these days, one of these is gonna fucking hit. yeah. One of these days is gonna land. Yeah, he is one of those guys that you imagine like the Oscars are eventually gonna do the apology award, and it's gonna be his least impressive movie, and they're gonna like best picture, like his best, return like, of the best king. Pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, yes. that all that always happens. It always happens where they kind of feel like you know this guy. Like we're gonna take a look at the list here. He hasn't won an Oscar yet. <laughs> That's on us, ladies and gents. Um, <laughs> we will fix yeah. that. What did he direct this year? A toothpaste <laughs> commercial? Best I've ever seen. <laughs> like the new Garfield movie? Oscar. Um, like, yeah. like, give him a But it's actually about President James Garfield and not the cat. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's that's what I watched good. What I watched bad, and we mentioned Ridley Scott. Don't know why I did this to myself. I saw it in the cinema, mm-hmm. and I thought I put myself through it again because I thought maybe it was just it hit me wrong. Maybe it's because I went in expecting I don't know a history biopic. Um, but I'm going to check out that Napoleon movie again. Um, it's fucking awful. It's really, 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 really bad. Um, I, just yeah, I'd kind of heard like that. bafflingly bad. It's a movie which. I don't. I think. I think he just decided he didn't like the French and he was going to troll them. I honestly think, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know how you could take arguably, for better or worse, one of the most important people in European geopolitical history, and devolve them into almost a comedic, like, like buffoon is the best way I can describe. He's a buffoon. In the movie, like, and it just like skips over all the all the stuff. If you, I'm going to see a, a movie about Napoleon, I'm like that. Oh, the battles that we are going to get to see, and he yada yada yadas through a lot of it. And then when you do a bit of digging in the background, I think the movie was shot in thirty days, which is fucking like action scenes and everything. He, he was in and out in thirty days, and I, I heard the story that um, essentially there was three or four movies pitched on Napoleon that were trying to get off the ground and I think 
he had time in between projects and he was just like that. Oh, I can make a Napoleon movie and just did it in 30 days. And that, but that's the craft. That's, that's what I was saying earlier on. As a filmmaker, to watch that and think this was done in 30 days is mind blown. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, right? Hmm. But when you see the story, you're like that. Yeah, this is why it took that you just cut out all the really, 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 really cool interests and stuff. And he's like, Oh yeah, there's a there's a four and a half hour cut in this movie. And I'm like, Oh, so all the battles are in that. And he's like, Yeah, it's all the intricate love scenes between him and his mistress. And I'm like, that no one wants that movie. <laughs> right. What well, yeah, when you think of Napoleon, what you think about is like palace romance, intrigue. I, I I honestly think there was a part of him that when he put like I looked at, the reason I mention this is because I watched Prometheus last night. It's mm-hmm. a while since I watched that. I really like Prometheus. It is a hugely flawed movie, right? A hugely flawed movie. But I like it because conceptually speaking, the idea of you know the creator meeting the creator and realizing like think expecting answers to a question you'll never get as a as a concept is incredibly nihilistic and i kind of love it for that right but that dude made that movie and people were like oh it's not really an alien movie and then he made covenant which made me wonder if ridley scott knew what an alien movie was because mm-hmm. that movie is fucking garbage mm-hmm. like absolute garbage and i wonder if i there's a part of me that thinks that maybe he's just a troll now like genuinely, oh, you didn't like it. Oh, you want me to make a Napoleon movie? Well, um, I'll make my Napoleon movie, which has none of the good shit in it. Oh, you want an alien movie? Do you, you want a sequel to Prometheus? It's like, oh, well, instead, I'm just going to get a shite movie, which cuts out all the good stuff. And oh, we'll put them with special features and YouTube. But there's that whole YouTube thing that explains what happens to the main character from the previous movie. Imagine if they did that to, to Ripley in Aliens. Or that, oh yeah, you have to go on YouTube to find out what happened to her, but here's the Marines. Um, it's just, I don't know, I don't know. It's um, technically a very, very well-made movie. As a movie, though, shit. <laughs> I, How about yeah. you? I don't think I'll see Napoleon. I just, I can't think of good reason to. I heard the movie's Plus it's good. long. It's, yeah, that's the other it's thing. real it's long. three hours right. long. Yeah, and if I'm going to get into that, then why am I not just watching, like, you know, Killers of a Flower Moon? Yes, here's another thing. Like, at the end of the movie, he puts up, you know, like, at the end of Biopic, she gets stats. Mm -hmm. Like, generally, you know, in this year, like that. The stats that come up at the end of the movie are how many Frenchmen died. That's it. And the Napoleonic Wars. Not at one point he conquered... Like, basically all mainland Europe, you know, and in Africa, all, all these... Christi- all, Does all the, the movie campaigns ever go in- to Africa? It goes to Africa for... <laughs> goes to Africa for five minutes when it shows Napoleon shooting a cannon at a sphinx. All right. And then he's like that, oh, we think you're... you're, you're um, your uh, wife is having an affair. And he's like, well, I must go back to France. And that is it. Like none of none of the conquest I'm telling it is baffling. It is like it is like I ju- I can't get my head rimmed what he thought he was making. That um, sounds like uh what what you people would call shite. It is. Oh yes, it's very, very much a shite movie. Um so yeah. So, so that right. was my that was my bad. So I went like the dizzying highs of cinema 
to the, 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 the fucking dark and murky lows of cinema and the space of a weekend. So, all right. Well, let me let me hit you with my good and bad then Ooh, my good hear. is uh I've, for some reason my my vibe of late has been movies that capture kind of a 70s era feel yep of like character drama stuff mm-hmm. okay so like holdovers is what started me down this dark path yeah <laughs> <laughs> dark path of awesome though yeah well so i i ended up watching air the uh michael jordan sneaker movie oh right yeah, yeah have you seen it i have not seen it no it is a great like tangential sports movie this is why i'm hearing and no. it's uh ben Affleck directed it mm-hmm. it's well directed he is very funny and self-deprecating in the movie He's uh, a good director, by yeah, the way. He's yeah. like he's another one where like you can sleep on like you take a look at some of his directing credits. Ben Affleck is a surprisingly good director. Mm-hmm. He very much is. Uh and and this is you know, not small stakes. It's you know, the, the drama is hey, Nike, this fledgling company that is only known for running shoes mm-hmm. is trying to break into the basketball shoe game and they're going after this rookie that everybody believes is going to be amazing. And mm-hmm. it's just that movie. It's it's uh, Matt Damon as this like schlubby dude like bouncing around the country trying to secure this deal. And it's got a lot of good other character actors alongside mm-hmm. them and it's wonderful it's uh, occasionally very funny um and yeah it's just a solid movie like it, it it's a nice character drama and when you finally get the payoff it feels it's not like hoosier's level stand up and cheer but it's yeah. that moment of like good I'm, I'm glad everything worked out for those guys you know like <laughs> It's just a, a a really nice story, and Matt Damon has a great moment where he talks about the significance of Michael Jordan. Mm, that I'm, is like, oh, this is an Oscar speech. Yeah, you know, like it, he just nails it. It's really good. So if you haven't seen Air, check out Air. It's on if you have uh, on Prime. Yeah, yeah, it's free on Prime, and mm. it, it totally worth your time. I think it's under two hours. I think or right after. I mean two that hours. that will that will win an argument for me, bro. <laughs> like any day. It's yeah, it's not super long. It it yeah, it's it's a great you know, like it uh, like to call it a great movie isn't right because like mm. Lawrence of Arabia is a great movie. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, Air is a really 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 good, comfortable, yeah, enjoyable. Enjoyable entertaining yeah. movie. Um yeah. okay, then the bad. What's your bad then? <laughs> All right, dude. so in my journey through getting ready for my own top 10 list yes uh, for the year um you filmed at some blank spots here i well i was and (laughs) what i ended up watching because people were like no 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 this is a good one i watched fucking saw x Mm. and uh and i like i was duped (laughs) You know, I was lied to. Yeah. See, I went in with a bag of skepticism. Like, I, I was like, that. "Do I need this movie?" And the answer is, 
if it had come out first, yeah, yeah, then yeah, maybe. Sure. Yeah, but we're so far into it now that the idea of retconning this character in any way to make me feel, I don't know, a modicum of sympathy. Like, see, at the end of Saw, do you ever, in the first Saw movie, do you ever feel sorry for Jigsaw? No, I mean you can you see his rationale. You have some empathy, I suppose, yeah. for his plight. Yeah, but I, I, no, 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 my 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 kind of my um my kind of overriding feeling was, I mean, in in, prin- in principle, I like your I like your idea of doling out some sort of justice, but it just seems like it's just a little bit heavy handed. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> the scales seem to be colossally weighed in one direction. Well, in this one, man, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So this one, this one um, made my top twenty by the skin of its teeth. So the problem with Saw X, as I see it, is that it's more of the same. Mm. I mean, it, it's brighter. The color palette is mostly different <laughs> until yeah. at a certain point in the movie, you just become another Saw film. Yes. Like all the stuff with him getting, like going and getting the treatment and, and figuring out that he'd been conned and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you get him jigsaw. You know, like I yeah. was, I was into it. I was like, go, but I wanted it to be like, you know, I've been waiting in the back of your car all day. <laughs> yeah. I assembled this trap here. You know, and instead it's like, you know, I've lured you into this factory and now all of you are going to play a game. And you're like, yeah, oh, uh, this is the same fucking movie I've seen. Ten uh, times. Yeah, yeah. That's is- literally, I don't know at what point filmmakers wanted to start making the villains in our movies sympathetic or like likable. Like the whole point is, not, like we like our killers in our movies and our franchise movies because they're not likable. Like Jason Voorhees is not a likable character, yet you cheer him to kill the, you know, the the, the coeds or whatever. Like Freddy Krueger is not a likable character, but you look forward to seeing what he's gonna do. Michael Myers is not a likable ca- like as soon as like for some reason, and I wanted like the 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 turn came on that Don't Breathe two movie. Where they're yeah, like, yeah, remember yeah. that guy that kidnapped a woman and like artificially inseminated her and raped her loads like that? Oh, well, now he's looking after this little girl. Like, we, we, we should root for this guy. And I'm like, that the rape, like the previous movie, right. rape, right. rapist, right. <laughs> rapist murderer. Like, and, and I have to cheer for him then? Right. He can, he can be coming after them. That's yeah. fine. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... I like, I don't know where the switch came in. And my problem with, with Saw X is. Like, very much like the Insidious prequels, which, like, drive me fucking crazy. Although that Insidious, like, fucking five movie is pointless. Um, that, like, as soon as, I, as soon as I start watching those movies, it retcons things in a way that don't feel satisfying. Like, now, now the structure of those movies don't make sense because the motivation that was assigned to that movie now no longer makes sense after it. And that just that you might as well just like piss in my open mouth, um, like that's that's how that's how welcome I am to having like fucking all the ideas of canon just ruined for me. So yeah, I'd like I, as a as a standalone movie, yeah, like as a movie where someone is wronged and gets revenge, it's fine, it's it's good. Like that as a saw movie is just another saw movie, and saw movies ain't great. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it also has one of the more ridiculous, like, <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, and so I... I planned this incredibly elaborate yeah. thing that is. I, I knew I knew you were I I knew you were going to do it. I've created this elaborate thing, but I couldn't realize you were conning me over my cancer medication. Right? Like, how fucking stupid is this guy? But at the same time, a fucking genius. How do the two marry? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, if you are such a student of human behavior that you can predict, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like down to. That like the the betrayals that you'll make with each other, you know, like human chess, he's like that. So if I right. move the queen here, he'll move the pawn there, which means I need to check move in seven. Uh, yeah. You know, check me. I just like it's just a lot of fucking nonsense. Like like um, Wyndham Earl and Cooper, a delicate yeah. chess game. Ah, uh, the heady days of Wyndham Earl. Oh. Um, <laughs> that man's head was on fire, Bo Ransdell. Those... It was on fucking fire. Those are the ones I'm watching now oh, yeah. as I've been going back through it. And so I'm on like episode 17. Oh, you're not far from the end. No, 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 no. I'm, I, I'm within what? Six weeks. I will have certainly watched fire walk with me again. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, so, good. Oh, no. so, good. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the moral of the story, fuck saw X. It's, Oh, you're getting um, another one. So they are making and made so much money yeah. that you they're like that. We're going to do another one. I'm like, when's this one set? Like, honestly, like, <laughs> like there's only so much hello, fellow children we can do with Tobin Bell, right? He's fucking old, Dude, right? He looked fucking ancient. I was like, oh, are, are they doing a makeup job? It was like, no, the man is just, he's been doing this for what, 30 years at this point? Um, when was Saw? Saw's 2000 and. 2009. Is it that late? I need to find out now. When was Saw? Uh, Saw, 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 Saw. No, you're, you're right, Bo Ranst. I think it was like 2000, 2004. Yeah. <laughs> He'd been, he been doing it 20 years yeah. and he was an old man then, right? Yeah. Like, uh, Tobin Bell is like a 70-year-old just walking around like, guess what? I built an <laughs> elaborate trap. <laughs> that also has the added benefit of giving me my daily geritol. I am. Like, it's just I Feeds don't. It to me yeah. like a pez. Uh, he was born. <laughs> he was born in 1942. <coughs> okay, the second so... world war. The second world war was still on. Um, yeah, so he's 82 years old now. <laughs> I want to play a game. I'm going to try to get out of this chair. Let's try to get the chair. Dun 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 dun. Oh man, I just, I yeah, I like. So there's there's going to be another one. You know what will happen? It'll not be as good as the one that just dropped. Everyone's going to slowly lose interest again and rinse and repeat. Um, hey, you want to talk about some true detective? I would love to talk about like, this right now is my motherfucking this is hitting all the sweet spots for yep, me. Yep. This season so far is just like what's like remember how we teased some stuff and you thought maybe they're not gonna no, we're just we are we are fisting this oh, spiral. Yeah. We are fisting it right in front of you. It as soon as episode two really started in earnest. Yeah. Um 
there was a moment where I was like, oh, it seems so quaint that we were yeah. talking about, like, do you see there's, it looks like the outline of the spiral a little bit, yeah. and <laughs> maybe it was this day, I was like, oh, fuck, they're, like, they're... Yeah, it's just... on his fucking forehead. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got the spiral. It's in the ceiling. Yeah. And like just ever like I'm just like there's fucking spirals everywhere. There's more spirals in this season of True Detective than there was in season one. Yeah. And I am all fucking for it. Give me it. And you know, the father thing turned out to be hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. Although uh, I we have we have commerce that we've so we missed a detail, by the way, ladies and gents. There's a detail that would have helped us understand. Uh, the revelation of who is still alive in this episode. Um, I went back through, watched the first episode again before I watched the second episode because I'm going to fucking do this back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, and they cover it in this episode. The delivery driver, when he, you know, when he's like, that, "Hey, you guys in here?" He's eating the funyuns mm-hmm. and all the rest. Um, as he's walking around, there is a shot in the background of someone that moves past him, wearing the pink ring, uh, the pink overcoat. Oh, okay. So that's why they couldn't find it in the... Because I was like, that fuck, so I hit pause on it. And I was like, that's the coat. So he clearly was wearing the coat. So Clark has that coat. Yes, he has the coat. So he he was in there when he went in. So he was still in the... So... But the other guys had been dead for a couple of days. Three days. Three days, buried in the snow. Oh, yeah, right, and we're right. go- we're gonna get to the scene right from the fucking thing. This this thing is just Ilsa Lopez, marry me. <laughs> but eh, all right, so just right. called part two, written and directed by Ilsa Lopez. It doesn't start with the thing. It starts with fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> because it's just straight up the rip off of. Yeah. <laughs> And like the the fo- the photographs and yep. like flaring uh, the camera mm-hmm. to see you know this pile of frozen people, fucking and totem of human atrocity. It's oh, it's so good. As soon as I saw that, I was like, "Fucking Issa Lopez!" Just she, like, oh. like this, she said it. She said she was leaning into the horror on this season, and by God, has she come out fucking swinging? But she's just throwing like chum into the water for yeah. all the horror movie fans. <laughs> of, like, like you are so directly baiting horror oh, audiences yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. with like the thing stuff and the, the you know the shining stuff and mm-hmm. and well, like I said, this is such a direct reference to uh, TCM. It's crazy, mm-hmm. and um, we also get some further details that all of these guys also have ruptured eardrums. Yeah, so so they bled from the ears. Yes. So we're getting the initial investigation. So on this, we've got uh, Danvers as played by uh, Jodie Foster yep. and her Padawan, for lack of a better word, um, Pete, uh-huh. um, who she's down like right beside them, and they're kind of they're brushing away the the snow from the ears, and the ears are oh, like basically they've all had ruptured uh, eardrums. There's a talk about them. Um, you know, being found naked with not with clothes, and then there's a comment about hypothermia. Essa Lopez had said that one of the big influences are was the Deliative Pass incident, which has recently been unmystified. Where science has basically said, "Yeah, this is how this happened," and everyone's like, "That's how it happened." Uh, but yeah, during hypothermia, your body tricks itself into thinking you're overheating. Um, and so you will undress because you think you're overheating when you're actually freezing to death. Yeah, um, paradoxical fuck, undressing is what yeah, it's, it's called. Yeah, fucking horrific, right? So 
and but there's people with bite marks and fucking like their clothes have been neatly folded and placed at the side. Um, but not all the clothes are accounted for, so some of the shoes are missing, and we'll, we'll touch on that a bit later. But they're, they're kind of going through this. I love this scene because Danvers is surrounded by the worst group of cops ever. Right, and so, and we're finding out these horrible details, like the ears. Yep. One dude like tried to claw his eyes out. Yes, what it physically looks like. tried to claw his eyes out of his own skull. Right, right. Where we're going, we don't need. Yeah, <laughs> it's I mean. Like... It's... And one of, you know, Pete is pointing out, like, hey, one of these dudes has the spiral on his forehead. Mm -hmm. Um, Danvers is like, listen, we don't have a medical examiner. (laughs) We're probably going to have to send this whole thing down to Anchorage. And then Pete's like, oh. She calls it a shit bowl, which comes up again. She's like, this is a shit bowl. She's like, wait, we're never going to solve it. It's just going to, it's going to lead to misery. It's going to go on forever. We're going to kick this down to Anchorage, get rid of it. Um, And that lasts for what? 30 seconds if that yeah i think she looks at it and then she's like and but there's she's a really like she's playing a really interesting role because there's loads of good like i i think she's brilliant in this season mm-hmm. i like, genuinely think she's fucking awesome um but she she instantly kind of doubts herself i think we're gonna we've still to get the flashback right that true detective gives you and i i dare say either next episode or the episode after we're going to get the flashback to the original investigation of Annie Kay and what happened there that basically kind of separated her and her then partner mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I think we're going to get that but it's like that 30 seconds encapsulates the nah, I need to do something here as she's reconciling that in her brain you hear a chainsaw go and as a guy just cutting and she's like whoa <laughs> he's kind of fucking cutting right beside the bodies with the chainsaw and she's like 30 meters 30 meters like that what are you doing and he's like huh yeah. and then she turns around and there's a guy doing a selfie like an like an abu grabe selfie is, beside the fucking uh it, it is 1000 percent grab assery oh, every I, as far as the eye can see like every one of them is doing something fucking knuckleheaded and yeah and she's like enough goddammit. <laughs> She's like, a, she's like, and I think she's like, she, she fucking gives him a, like a, and it's in fucking our, our good buddy here, Ed, oh, I forgot his name, John Hawks, mm-hmm. Hank. It's just like, oh, they're just blowing off steam. Right. And she's like, it's a goddamn crime scene. <laughs> it's a fucking crime scene. Oh, they're just having fun. Yeah. All oh, these boys ain't never seen nothing like this before. Like, who cares that they get a couple pictures? She's like, yeah. what the fuck is going on with all of these? She, and she literally, she's like, maybe we should have behaved like we fucking know what we're doing. Yeah. And she shuts them down and everyone goes quiet. And that's what I love about her. Like, like she she isn't there to make friends. Yeah. And she is like, she she's a ball buster in the best possible way. Like, even I, even I stopped messing it. I was like, I, I was eating loud sweets. And she was like, I'm just fucking like settle down. I was like, oh, fucking put my bag. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I went I went and put on pants. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'm sorry, Miss Waster. So away from away from this, yeah. Navarro and Fiona Shaw, our log lady. As yes. you pointed out, are hundred percent the log lady. By the way, <laughs> like oh, she, you were. This episode is where you're like, oh, okay, I see why you paid Fiona Shaw money. Yeah, 
for Fiona Shaw because she's incredible in this. And she's so good. She's so good. Um, <laughs> so they're hanging out on the kind of periphery of this crime scene. Yeah. And uh, Fiona Shaw is like, you know what? You really, you ought to steer clear of this one. Like, yeah. get away from this thing. <laughs> mm. And, and uh, Navarro says, I can't uh, because this has something to do with Annie Kay. And Fiona Shaw goes, oh, well, you're screwed then. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a good delivery. It, like, it's a matter of fact, it's like, well, that that sucks. I know you got to yep. do it, but you're yep. fucked. And, <laughs> but she tells Navarro, like, hey, when all this is over, come see me. Check yep. in with me. And she takes off. And that's where Navarro notices all of the clothes from yeah. these dudes, like, neatly folded in the ice you know, several meters away from the pile. Yeah. And back to the pile, speaking of, <laughs> Wilson is the guy's name. He's the oh, dumbass Wilson. who's responsible for Wilson. this. Wilson. Uh, fucking around and breaks an arm off of one of the dudes. Yeah. And Jodie Foster is like, what did you do? And he's like, <laughs> I broke this. Ben Duncan. I, like, I honestly, like, you will, you will never know how much giddy glee I I like did this? I, like, I honestly I was two seconds away from going Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Was, like, <laughs> yeah, I did a what the fuck, uh, but in like that happy way where you're like, oh, you went for it, fucking yes, yeah. Um, so Wilson breaks off one of the arms, and the owner of said arm, frozen in the ice, starts to scream. Yeah, he he basically does an inward scream he becomes a uh, donald sutherland from invasion of the body snatchers yeah. it's like, <laughs> at which point jody foster goes jesus fucking christ and, <laughs> and i was like yes yes credits and then we yeah. get into the billy eilish song you're like oh fucking yes i was like throwing and up i the think devil this horns. is I, I might be wrong about this i think this is the first season of true detective that gives us those cold opens i think you're right i think you're right because i i've been i've been re-watching season one for reasons that will come evident shortly. Uh, uh, I'll be rewatching season one and all of those start with credits. They don't give you a scene then jump into credits. It's all start with credits. So huh. hmm. okay. All right. It's a smart choice. I like it. I, I do too. Like this is that kind of fun true detective season that I've kind yeah. of been hoping for. Like, not that there's been a truly terrible season of the show yeah. and one and three are both very good one yes. in particular, but this is the the first one that feels like it is maybe it's because it's six episodes, but it feels like we're really trucking. Yeah, we will have to, we, we have no, there's no, there's no room here at all not to speed this up, especially with all the stuff that they're kind of throwing at you. I also think as well, there is in an anthology TV show. You should try and approach things differently. We spoke mm -hmm. about this before. Every season has its own vibe, right? And season two, I think the reason a lot of people couldn't get on with it and the reason I got on with it so quickly is, like, I grew up watching, like, fucking, like, 1940s, 1950s noir movies. Like, that was my, my granddad was obsessed with noir. Um, so, like, I sat down and watched that, and I was like, all oh, right, like, this is, this is just, this is a noir kind of crime story. And I'm I am in on that one, um, and I like, but that's not how like season one's like a southern gothic, you know what I mean? It's like a southern gothic. Like the season, sorry, season three is the unreliable narrator, 
Like, that's what makes it so great. Is like, as soon as you realize that, you're like, oh, like, fucking, we've got loads of different time frames here, and none of them might be right. And this one here is the one where, of all the seasons where they have teased something supernatural, whether that's the Lovecraftian element from season one, or the, like, when you were watching season two, the fucking animal head killer, and you're like, what the fuck is this? This is creepy and weird. Um, Like, Issa Lopez has been like that, right, this is the horror season. Like, she's like she's put her stamp on it straight. I am the horror director. You've brought me in to do the horror season. Here is the horror season. Strap in. And she is, she is, it's not subtle. She is swinging, like, almost every scene. She is swinging a big old horror dick right in your face. It's just, I love it so much. And, um, like, even, even when we spoke about this, even the credits just have this, like, fucking weird, creepy horror vibe about them. And even the music choice, the Billie Eilish song, it's kind of, it's it's almost minimalist, mm-hmm. which kind of makes it even creepier. Like, it's, I don't know. It's just... It's the cinemarink uh, of opening credits. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, an it's analog so credit sequence is it's, what it yeah, is, Duncan. But, analog. Yeah, but analog. It, yeah, for all of the reasons you've described... Um, I'm just having a blast with this mm. one. Like I, I, you know, when we get done recording this, I get to go watch the new episode and I'm yeah. so excited to kind of kick back and just wallow in it because yeah. I know like the next two episodes are really going to be the, the limits of the, con- the expansion and then a, yeah. the beginning of the contraction. Yeah. And yeah. So- we have to start bringing this in to, to, to. To give us what we want, I, like I say, I'm I'm almost a, I'm. There would be daft not to start in either the next episode or the episode after start to cover what happened in the previous investigation, which led to the fallout. Um, but at the moment, we are we're getting a lot of grim covers in this episode. We really, really, really do. And um, let's 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 swing into it. So, all we, right. So we we kick ahead. back to Danvers, mm-hmm. who's on the phone with the hospital. And they're like, hey, we've got to take one of these dudes' legs off, but fuck, he's alive. And she's like, well, can I talk to him today, Dr. Lecter? And they're like, no. (laughs) My name is not Dr. Lecter. (laughs) It's Dr. Henry. (laughs) You can see it. (laughs) Dr. Henry. (laughs) Dr. Henry. Lecter. No. (laughs) But... (laughs) <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> it's so good. Oh. Uh, but anyway, uh, they're like, hey, you can't talk to this dude today. Um, and Pete is like, hey, uh, I've got an idea. I think I know how we can move these bodies. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, <laughs> so Jodie Foster is like, all right, listen, I'm going to be at the school. I'm going to go talk to uh, my ex-boyfriend in the, one of the most uncomfortable ways possible. She had, like, we are going to find out, like, like Danvers likes some dick. Danvers and I am, I am, I am loving yeah. the fact that she does. In fact, if anything, both her and Navarro share that. Yeah. Like, like the, when they want to get laid, they go and get laid. And yeah. you know what? I, I mean, they are the embodiment of DBCC. Absolutely. Yeah. The number of times I was thinking, like, I wonder if they're going to do any fucking, oh, they should be fucking, and they are. Uh, Yeah, it's great. And when Jodie Foster gets down, I was like, 
fucking yes. I also think though Jodie Foster is like, whereas Navarro is like, she's sleeping with a guy that owns the the you know the fucking diner mm-hmm. and all the rest. Like like Danvers is just like that. Are you married? That's fine. Like she's like like the amount of people that don't like her because she's a bit of a ball breaker as the the police officer. It's probably equal to the amount of fucking families she's just straight up fucking wrecked. Of just wives that are pissed at her. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to one in a minute, but oh, fuck. She's like, look, sometimes you just want to get it wet, Dr. Lecter. (laughs) She does become, by the way, she becomes Dr. Lecter in this fucking series when she keeps saying, you need to ask the right questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, come on. It's, come yeah. on. It's like straight at the letter play, Rick. Um, so, yeah. So she goes to visit this dude uh, who is Leah's father, I think. Yes, I think you're right. And as soon as she walks in, she's like, oh, class dismissed. Get out of here, you little fucking weirdos. Um, <laughs> and he's like, hey, hey, I don't think you can do that. And she's like, I can do what I want. I'm, I've got the badge. <laughs> And uh, he's like, well, what do you want? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, go on now. Go on now. She's going to take care of him. Go on now. We got it from here. We're going to take care of him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I need you to explain to me what uh, Salal does, Dr. Elector. Yep. <laughs> and then we, then we cut back to maybe my favorite scene of this episode, just because mm. it's it's not the most exciting. It's just such a cool scene. But it's Fiona Shaw talking to Navarro. It's like her yeah. stopping by after, um, you know, the police have, have taken off with all the bodies and whatnot. And we do get confirmation here that she is talking about Travis Cole, Rustin Cole's father. Yeah, unless there's another Travis Cole in Alaska. I think. I think we've done enough that we're like, we're totally... Yeah, it's 100% him. him. What's interesting about this, and this is what I I mentioned earlier on, like, as soon as I watched this episode, I was like that, I need to fucking go back. I need to go back, right? I need to go back and make sure everything's aligned. So in season one of True Detective, uh, Matthew McConaughey says that his dad has leukemia, right? Mm -hmm. And this season... He died of leukemia. Or, sorry, he, he died before leukemia took him. So yeah, he basically right. he, he walked out into the middle of the frozen lake and died. Um, however, interesting point. So before, like, when he goes undercover with the biker gang, um, he takes a leave of absence to go to his sick and ailing father. He obviously doesn't go there. He goes undercover and does all his stuff like that. But the police officers in the interview room in the current time frame say that when they're questioning uh, Woody Harrelson, they're like, that, how, mu- how much can you trust this guy? Disappears, comes off. Would it surprise you to know that his dad didn't have leukemia? So I now don't know if that's the cops trying to like play a hand with like Marty to get Marty to think that he's bad by making up all these things or if they didn't have the right information or if he hadn't died of leukemia at that point or when like i was just i was watching this going that that's fucking strange like really 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 strange so i once again not not that i want to muddy the waters but 
like the fact he has leukemia, the fact his name is Travis Cole, the fact he lives in Alaska, which are all things confirmed in True Detective season one. I think, Bo, 99.999% probability we can say this, apart from the fact he even fucking looks like McConaughey, um, this this was McConaughey's dad, who yeah. apparently was like a like a shaman. <laughs> yeah, I, I like <laughs> I like Fiona Shaw talking about him yeah. because uh, Navarro asks her something to the effect of like, "Do you see him a lot?" And because uh, he's that like when he died, that's when she got the sight. She yeah. wasn't born with it; she got it after he left. Well, and then uh, with the, there's a caveat to that, but we'll yep. get to that in a second. But yeah, she says uh, the thing that, uh, you know, Travis Cole um, only comes around when he wants something still, mm -hmm. you know, even though he's yeah. dead, when he shows up, he <laughs> wants something. And so he had been diagnosed with leukemia mm -hmm. and then walked into the water, you know, and she talks about how like she, uh, he made her croissants and... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they made love and hung out in the bed and just uh, eventually he got up and was like, you know, I'll see you later. And yeah. <laughs> goes off and walks into water. And Navarro was the one who found his body. Yeah. And Shaw says, well, last gift Travis Cole ever gave me yeah. was introducing me to you. I was like, oh, what a wonderful way to look at that. Yeah. Cause it's Fiona Shaw and she's a fucking national treasure. Um, but she does make a comment here that Travis ain't the only person that she sees that's dead. She can communicate with dead people, which makes me wonder when she was like that, you don't want to take this case. Yeah. Did, like, did she see something that wasn't Travis's like that? Like, you know, this is out with Travis's funky dead dance. Like, did she see something from beyond the grave that's like that? Yeah, this is a this is a no-go. No touch this. Or or had the just the impression or the vibe or whatever. But yeah. yeah, you would think that there's something kind of in tune. And she also says, you know, that's just in us, that people see things. And this comes Love up. Love this line. Love this line. Yeah. Yeah. She says, uh, you know, the world's getting old and uh it's coming apart at the seams. And the the in us is where the the seams are stretching. Mm -hmm. And, and she's not the only person that makes reference to dead people being seen in, and it's the fucking truck driver who we'll yeah. see in a little bit basically says the same thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Like even the dead get bored, I think is what he says. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, and Navarro starts to bring up uh her sister who mm -hmm. sees shit. And Shaw, because she is amazing in this, is like ba 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 ba. Okay, <laughs> let's not confuse the spirit world from yeah. someone who just needs, you know, mental health. Yeah. And uh, Navarro's like, yeah, I think maybe we got to do a little something. Yeah. And before she leaves, though, Shaw tells she, her... Well, she recommends that she goes to the lighthouse, which yeah. is the second time this has been mentioned. And... I don't know, I think... No, I want to stretch things out here. I think the lighthouse might be behind some of this. It just sounds like a nefarious place. Yeah. And I actually think, I think we're going to find out there may be some capital T involvement with it as well. Oh, Logan. really? I, yeah, I think the money goes there as well. Okay. I have, a, I have a whole theory that I've parsed out from watching this episode that may be wildly wrong, right? But I think this is more season one than something else. Okay. All right. Well, when we get to the end, 
Yep. We will. We I, will. I will put down think. my mole people theory. Mole people. Anyway, <laughs> um, so th- this is also the point where Shaw tells Navarro, like, "Hey, remember when you're dealing with the dead? Some visit you because they miss you. Mm-hmm. Some because they have something to tell you that you need to hear, and some because they want to take you with them. Yeah. And you need to know the difference, which I thought was also." fantastic and creepy and wonderful Mm -hmm. and then we go back to the school where danvers is talking (laughs) to her ex about salal yeah and he says like they were basically looking for some microorganism that essentially could give you kind of immortality yeah it will slow down aging but it'll also cure all disease right and he he also says like there was no way this was ever going to work, though, because permafrost stretches, and so any yeah. of the like mitochondria or whatever would have been ripped apart, and whatever samples they pulled would have been worthless anyway. And also that they've been up there for years. Like, yeah. there's been no rotation. So you got to think, at some level, like, if we find out this is cabin fever, I would believe that. You know what I mean? If we find out that one of them just went nuts because of cabin fever... That would make sense. Um, although we're going to get more details about our prime suspect, which, come on, if ever there was oh. a fucking red herring bow. Um, yeah, but I like it. I like the fact that it's just weird. Yeah, it's all weird. It's yeah. all incredibly weird. Um, but yeah, so he basically says, you know, they we're up there and we're up there for years. There was no rotation. They didn't interact with anyone outside. And basically... What they were doing up there was essentially they were getting like funding and all the rest, but it was never going to lead to anything. Yeah. It was never going like what they were doing was never going to work. So, right. I mean, and, and just at that moment, Danvers gets a call from the police station calling her back. <laughs> and then we have, uh, while Danvers is headed to the police station, we go back to Shaw and Navarro, mm-hmm. uh, like Navarro on her way out the door. Like Shaw's just kind of following to her car and they're talking about her sister still. Yeah. And on their way out, Shaw mentions the spiral on one of the guy's foreheads. Yeah. And Navarro is like, yeah, I've seen that before because she's, she's seen it on Annie K. And she, uh, even though she doesn't mention that by name there, but she says, um, do you know what that is? And Shaw says, well, I know it's old. Yeah. And she says, you know, older older than Ennis, probably older than the ice, which is good old God shit. Yeah, it's also... Do you think... I thought she seemed really superstitious about it because she drew it and... And then wiped the it snow. away. And then really, really quickly, yeah. she's like, I seen the symbol, and she's like, fucking... Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. like, 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 it's like almost that she herself understands the importance of it also did make me wonder if she's older than the ice could it be a microorganism like a, a worm shaped thing because it looks oh i see what you're saying yeah, yeah yeah that that they do find the microorganism but it you know maybe i don't know and like there's so many things where i was just like that if it's older than the ice what does that mean <laughs> like <laughs> I am still sticking with my this is a weird ghost story thing with the she's awake. Mm. And and also the you know, 
nothing but men in this place and the death of the woman Annie Kay and her ties to this place and mm-hmm. anyway I will we'll talk about it. I have a theory Paul things is not that okay. uh, so so then um <laughs> uh welcome to the show Chris Eccleston like I can't tell you like I grew up watching this guy on TV so it blows my mind that he's appeared in True Detective. Like a lot, a lot of Americans got introduced to him through Doctor Who. Mm. I know him from way before that. I know him from there's a an incredible. I mentioned this before. There's an incredible TV show called Cracker, um, in the UK, which has Robbie Coltrane as uh, Hagrid. To those that watch Harry Potter, Robbie Coltrane, great comedic British actor who actually played a really serious role in the early nineties as a criminal psychologist who is basically brought in by the police department to get into the heads of the worst killers and terrorists and all the rest. And I believe his sergeant in that was played by Christopher Eccleston. So, like, seeing him pop up in this was kind of like, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. and then to hear that he's been banging, like, Jodie Foster, it's like, what the fuck does this mean? Like, I was just like... <laughs> Yeah, he's Alan shagging the doctor. What? The mayor Dr. of Lightning. Ennis, and uh, when Danvers shows up, he is basically explaining in a pretty good American accent, by the way. He's yeah, not bad. <laughs> um, explaining to everybody, like, oh yeah, we're well, we're just going to give this to Anchorage, right? Yeah, and then you get like Hank's fucking passive aggressive. Oh yeah, like yeah, but no hard work. That's it. Sounds like a Danvers special, mm-hmm. and she's like. Eh, not so fast. I love this scene, by the way. This is like, like so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, and we know right away, like, oh, he appointed her yeah. to this position in Ennis. She didn't want this position in Ennis. Right. This and, is a pro- technically a promotion for yes. her. But like when she tells her side of it, he promoted her to Ennis to see how she would cope in a, what was it, a sundown town or whatever mm. she referred to, um, no light town or whatever, um, and the social environment that it creates or something along those lines. She gave them one step further. She's like, you gave me this office, which used to be a dental office. Like, she just, like, mm. kind of lays it in on him. Um, and he's just like, oh, are you taking this case to fuck with me? Is that what you're doing? You're just yeah. fucking with me here. And the whole time... Uh, that they're talking she is kind of moving around the room and grabbing <laughs> books and flipping through them and then grabbing another thing and finally she's like oh uh, here it is doctor who um <laughs> doctor <laughs> if you look at these regulations it says that you have to hang on to bodies in ice until they have completely thawed and, and he's like, well, where did you read that? And she's like, in the criminal handbook that you gave me when I started here. <laughs> I fucking love it. It's a real passive-aggressive bullshit. <laughs> and he's like... It's well, a total measure our dicks moment. Yeah. Yeah, like... <laughs> and and she just proves that she's smarter than he is, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, well, how fucking long is it going to take for these bodies to thaw out? And she's like, I don't know, I guess 48 hours or so, Dr. Lecter. And, and now the timer is on. So like basically yeah. from that point, we got 40, 48 hours before we have um, Nick Nolte and uh, Eddie Murphy come up and they do a stakeout. And, uh, no, they've got like basically 48 hours before Connolly's going to try and 
passes off the anchorage. So yeah. I would love to see Nick Nolte dealing with this pile of bodies. <laughs> oh, Christ, Rich. Look at all <laughs> God these goddamn scientists all frozen together like ice at the fucking bottom of my arm spine. broke off at the fucking elbow. <laughs> Ah, Christ, he's hollering. Somebody shoot this motherfucker. You cannot do a, like, Nolte at this point is just gravel. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> when static. he showed up on Poker Face, I was yeah. like, I might have to turn on <laughs> subtitles on this because it's just... <laughs> <laughs> the fact he shows up in Poker Face and he's basically playing like a like a Greg Nicotero or something yeah. like that, like rick baker and yeah. like, it's just like, i was just like this show fucking gets me yeah makes me so happy it's yeah um we are as a show we are very pro 100 percent pro natasha leon while we're at it um, uh, yeah let's like yeah so we then move duncan to the hockey rink in town where Danvers is making a point of not watching Leah play hockey. Uh, I, I feel so sorry for Leah because she comes out and she's like that. Hey, did you see me play? And she's like, no. Like, she didn't even lie. Absolutely you know, like, like, good game, honey. Yeah. Or something like that. She's like, no. Why are you not lying in this situation? Why do you not just say, <laughs> you were great out there? Instead, yeah, why, why, are you, why are you not showing love for this child that you clearly are fucking keeping? Like, uh, looking after so instead, she has to stalk off and talk to John Hawk's ex-wife about storing it there. And by the way, this woman hates Danvers. Yeah. Hates her. Fucking capital H hates. Right. I mean, as they're talking, the first thing she says is, wow, you must need something really badly yeah. <laughs> if you've come over to talk to me. And she's like, <laughs> You you got that right, Doctor Lecter. I really, I've stepped in it this time. Why do you keep calling everyone Doctor Lecter? One day, accidentally, Jodie Foster is going to stumble across this po- podcast. She's going to be fucking mortified. <laughs> she's, right? She's. I'm an Academy Award winning. <laughs> writer director actor she's up for another one this year she's yeah. up for best actress this year so yeah. she could be two times academy award-winning jodie foster and we have belittled her down to a fucking role from 1992 <laughs> a great role nonetheless uh-huh. but <laughs> also a detective or you know <laughs> let's not get too high and mighty mrs foster <laughs> By the way, I think you're amazing, and I think uh, Nell is underrated. Yeah, Nell was a great person. I like, I like her. I, I, she's one of those actresses that doesn't phone in. Tata but even if the movie's shit, she's still great in the movie. Yeah. The, one of my favorite things ever in movies is when Liam Neeson is translating for Nell to the group. Neytata Nell. Don't be afraid for now. <laughs> Nitata Funeo, I will find you. I have a special set of skills. I want you to get the. I want you to see if you can get a description. Tell me where you are right now. You're going to be taken. Um... <laughs> you're going to be taken by a woman who had a stroke. 
Your vocabulary is going to be damaged. <laughs> You'll oh, have to get an Irishman to translate <laughs> for you. You have to get an Irishman playing an American. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, so anyway, <laughs> so Pete brings this body sickle in on a flatbed truck. That's his genius idea. Like I'm, I'm not sure why Pete. But you're like we are, we are, we are, we are like doing this scene a massive disservice here. The fucking Beach Boys are playing. You're right. Yeah, it's the Santa Beach Boy song, and oh yeah, it's like everybody this is playing. Uh, everyone, everyone, it's, it's like a parade float yes. coming down. A, par- a parade float of human misery is coming down the middle of Main Street, and everyone's watching. And all that's protecting the you know the 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 screams of agony that are frozen and etched in ice underneath is a tarp, um, which yes. is over the top. It's just fucking great. And we finally get it inside the rink. And it's just put in the middle of this fucking uh, hockey rink. Yeah. And the ex-wife rolls up and is like, oh, is that it? And she's like, oh, my God. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's literally, horrified. oh, jeez. <laughs> like, fucking, like, everyone that sees this is like, oh, my eyes. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, because it's horrifying. If you saw that for real, you'd never, you'd never be able to unsee it. It's, you'd uh, never sleep again. Yeah. You would never sleep again. And so Navarro shows up here also. Yeah. And uh, we find out, like, Leah is going to go hang out at Peter's place. Yeah. And we'll get into that. Well, she's trying to tell Danvers, and Danvers is just like, what did I tell you? Get out of here. And she's like, and she, she, like, physically says to Pete, I'm going to be yours loud enough so Danvers can hear it. And I'm like, what kind of fucking... I'm not speaking to you, game. Are we doing here? This is just nonsense. Right. I mean, do do you see what's going on here? I've I've got work to do. And so she's telling Pete, like, hey, I need you to look for similar deaths in in this area. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, it looks like maybe they tried to chew their hands off at one point. Yeah. And, and Navarro walks in here and Danvers <laughs> is right up to her and she's like, and why are you here? And she's like, that this symbol, that the symbol that was on Anarchy is on one of your people for it. And she's like, uh, yoink, like at her hand. And she's like, that's right. Well, you're not on the case. And she's like, we can work it together. And she's like, I am never working a case with you again. Once again, an indication that one time these two were partners and something true detective style split them up. And we will, by the end of this episode, bring the band back together, Bo. So and there's a pretty good, like, fuck off. She uh, does yeah. like, once again, you don't mess with Danvers. Yeah. Like, Navarro could crush her like an empty can. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, with, with ease, but Danvers shows no fear at all, and I fucking love it. You know, the only other actress I think that could play this part, mm. and I don't, I'm not wishing for this, Jodie Foster's amazing in this, but there's some quality Holly Hunter in, energy here as well. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I always think, like, Holly Hunter and Jodie Foster are not that like Jodie Foster's the better actress but when it comes to the kind of tougher roles there's a there's a a bit where the two join and then Holly Hunter just runs with it Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah I I would agree with that so Navarro uh gets kicked out um Mm -hmm. and then Pete shows up with a phone and she's like what the fuck are you doing with that (laughs) and then he's like haha 
and yep. uses one of the dude's faces to unlock his right. phone. All I'm going to say is, like, I I instantly tried, like, contorting my face into an image of frozen terror, and my phone wouldn't open, right? So what model of phone is this? Like, oh, there we go, it's opened. That was in the patch notes in 15. <laughs> It's like, hey, we'll we'll open if your face is frozen in a rectus yeah. yeah. Uh, so he opens the phone, and we spoke about this. Um, we spoke about this last week when I was like that. He was shooting a TikTok video. It'll be really interesting to see if we capture the rest of it. Turns out, I was right. However, turns out it didn't aid the story at all. Yeah, <laughs> you, you were right that. in the least interesting way. <laughs> but, so we come back to Navarro, who it was talking to Annie's brother about yeah. this guy from Salal who had. Yeah, she goes to the diner, so she walks yeah. in, she sees her, her fuck buddy at the diner who's like, uh, and she's like, uh, and then she, she takes him outside and she starts talking to him and she shows him the photo of what's the guy's name again, Charlie or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, she shows him that photo, and he's like, I've never seen this guy. If she was dating him, I wouldn't know anything about it, and all the rest. And then this other guy that he was sitting with, he comes out, and he's like, like, listen, I'm just coming out here to say, you're digging up all this stuff again. I don't want it. And he looks down, clocks a picture, and does a kind of, right. oh, oh, <laughs> like a, oh, like this. And she's like, do you know this guy? And he's like, uh, got to poop. Um, and meanwhile, in the fucking, in the diner, there's a, a fight breaks out. Yeah, saved by the brawl. Yeah, uh, saved, by, saved by the brawl. And um, they go in to break up the fight, and it's basically one of the locals arguing with one of the miners, saying you're like the the water's still fucking ruined. It's your fault. You're poisoning the the town. And then our dude, who's just clocked pictures like that, like we put food on the tables in this town. We built your school. Like doing this thing, and then and then he's like, "I'm not stand. I, I need to try this more often in restaurants. I'm not standing this for anyone." And so he walks out, like nudges past um, Julia, and then walks straight out. And Julia's like, "He didn't pay his tab." And I'm mm-hmm. like, "That's how you do it, Bo. So you get paying the bill. You just cause a scene, right? Almost get in a fight and then defuse it just in time to walk out on your tab." I am going to be the bigger man and walk away from this situation, not paying. They call that the Dublin duck. <laughs> so, a- so he so he basically leaves, and then we get a scene with Julia and uh, Navarro. So they got a chance to, to kind of catch up, and she's like, how you doing? And she's like, I'm doing all right. He's like, you sure doing all right? And she's like, I'm doing fine. Um and they have a little bit, so we now find that she's working for, so she works in the diner. Yeah. That's her, her job. Um, she makes the whole fuck buddy friend thing all the weirder. Um, and uh, he's like that, are you going to be, uh, I think it's in the scene, he's like, you're going to be stopping. No, that's later on. It's, with late, ice cream. it's later that, yeah. it's With ice cream. Uh, so we go back instead to Danvers and Pete as she is spreading out the the files another true detective scene here like classic spread out all the pictures yeah i love how she's like just got pictures of all their faces frozen in terror like (laughs) yeah and and also stuff from like social media and things like that like all kind of grouped together and um she is kind of guiding pete through her own 
thought process. Yeah, she's basically saying you need, like you need to ask the right questions. She's doing the Doctor Lecter here. Yes, like she's she's like she like ask the right questions. How do and... we first begin to covet? literally literally what she's like um she's like I, i've marked up i'd like to see when you finally get the case file back or there'll be all these handwritten notes on it and you'll you'll get it from there um that you know this human totem it, it doesn't look a little bit too random um so the so basically we get so she's taken pete probably the only competent cop here under her wing because she sees a bit of potential. I hope this is not grooming. Um, but like <laughs> you never know with Amber's. She's like fucking walking hard on. Um, so she's basically she's like she's like start thinking about it, start parsing it out. So and we get some like this is where we get the horror stuff and mm-hmm. in, in a really cool way because the questions start to get more like, oh, what could have caused that? What would have caused that? I love this because they bounce a few things off about, you know, what would have, you know, he he's starting to think about it too linear and she's like trying to put the motivation behind the questions. Well, what would motivate these guys to do this? The, the end of this kind of tete-a-tete of questioning is, is the line, um, what could have, and this is a total fucking, it's right from the last broadcast, um, what could have scared the men so much that would they would have ran out without their shoes mm-hmm. into the snow. Like what what could have scared them so much? Which reminds me of as it's the line in the last broadcast where he's like, I, I look at the face of was it like um Stephen Locust and I'm thinking like I don't see a man reacting to the other dude chasing him. I look at a man terrified. Like what causes that frozen image of fear in that guy's face and you've got that here what would be the motivator because some of them didn't weren't wearing shoes or if they were they were stolen but also the way the clothes were folded so the clothes were folded in a particular way and what does that indicate as well so she's kind of getting them thinking but at the same time she she does once again such a dick move to pete where pete's like that right well i better i've got to go and back and she's like nah you're staying here and she's like but it's my turn to bath little baby darwin and she's like no no you don't have to worry about that right so you're staying here you're working on this and i'm gonna like well what she doesn't say is i'm gonna go to your house right past your partner piss her off then upset the grandmother by fucking like calling her like a like a fucking laundromat witch or whatever she calls her and like i'm just like danvers like walks into people's houses like she owns every house she speaks to everyone like she is be like above them speaking down to them and every scenario she owns the room that's what i'm saying like every situation so she basically tells pete he can't leave and then goes to go and pick up uh leah yeah who's at pete's house with pete's wife yeah and darwin who's waiting on a bath it's an incredible dick move (laughs) such a dick move um Real, real quick, before we get to that, because we need to really uh, stew in that for a second, but mm-hmm. there's a great moment when she and Peter are doing the questioning when they're talking about the folding of the clothes. Mm. And um, she says, well, who folded the clothes? And uh, he's like, well, uh, the killer folded the clothes. And she goes, ah, the killer. Yeah, You know, like it's the <laughs> first time anyone said those words, like, that it's not just hey a bunch of people ran out into the snow. It's yeah. Oh, it's not somebody, a yeah. 
Yeah. It's like, when she says earlier on, she's like, nah, I don't think it's a yeti. Um, yeah. You know, like, so, yeah, it's the first time someone's actually mentioned a killer. Right. And this is also where we get the unlock and Pete shows her the video, which mm. we is really what we saw in the it's just the video. other angle where yeah. we see we see um the dude shaking he turns around like he turns around and says she's awake and then there is a power surge and everything goes out and the video stops which is not how telephones work but yeah and it would still be filming <laughs> like it wasn't like but kind of do you not think it remained it looked like if i didn't know better although the electricity was back on it looked like a kind of emp you know, electromagnetic oh, yeah. pulse because everything, all everything goes out, including his phone, which would happen with that. But then everything was working after. It's very strange. Something maybe polar and magnetic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, all right. Maybe all enough right. to spook the animals to jump off the side of a cliff. Bore. Mm. Also interesting, yeah, because that would also mag- magnets, <laughs> according to the ICP. <laughs> are magical they are magical um all right so we've got navarro and kavik who is the dude who owns the diner this is where he is working on his husky like they're like his husky is injured and he's kind of tending to the dog husky that wants to bite him so bad like this husky wants to maul she even says you know one of these days this dog's gonna kill you which I feel is like Chekhov's foreboding of a dog mauling. Yeah, um, like Chekhov's scene from Suspiria. <laughs> she's Kavik's out walking the dog. Yeah, it's just the a, he's like, wait a second, how did I end up in the middle of like a piazza? <laughs> dog just fucking eats some. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we get... Um, that was his look, okay. Yeah, <laughs> he's all. Um, so she's eating ice cream, and um, they're having this conversation. She's asking how her sister's doing, and he's like, "That she's fine, you know, she's settling, and it's all okay." And he's like, "That by the way, you uh, gonna be uh, coming by later?" And she's like, "No, nope. <laughs> like, 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 no, that's not gonna happen." But she lies. Um, um, so let's get back to some investigating, Duncan. Yeah, I love a bit of investigating. All right, so Danvers is talking to. The local we saw in the last episode who bucketed the guy in the face. Turns out she also makes some bucks on the side mm. doing a cleaning job on the Salal station. Yeah. This scene is so funny, so weird, and there is a huge clue in this this whole thing here that we haven't talked about that we will talk about shortly. Okay. So Danvers is questioning her. Yeah, about the symbol, and she's like, "I don't, I don't recall seeing yeah. anything like that." She says it looks like witchcraft, and then she calls a character called Blair to come over. Mm-hmm. Blair Witch, I mean, come, come on, Issa Lopez, come! What are you doing to me here? You're just like hitting all the right spots. Um, Peep, meanwhile, is questioning the delivery guy, and we talked about this earlier. Yeah. But this is where the delivery guy says, "Oh yeah, this guy Clark, that was, you know." the the lead at the station was starting to talk to himself. Yeah. And then we get a quick cut back to Danvers as this same woman is like, they never spoke to us. We were just the cleaners. So why would they ever say anything to us? Yeah. But what we do know is that Clark would lock himself away for days at a time. Mm-hmm. He would walk around totally naked talking to himself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
the this is also where the delivery guy says, "Oh, I saw somebody that night." Yeah, <laughs> up at the station. And Which, if you go back to the first episode, guy in a pink yeah. coat, and he says, "But that's Ennis." Uh, and and you know the line that you mentioned where he says it's a long night, even the dead get yeah. bored. And he also says that this guy Clark had that same spiral tattooed on his chest. Spirals for days. I know, I know. Like again, it seems so quaint. The last yeah. episode where we're like, "Oh, maybe they're going to talk about the spiral." <laughs> it's like spiral, 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 spiral. Yeah. Have you seen? The I love spiral? this throwaway spiral. Little did I know it was going to be integral to the show moving forward yeah um yeah so here's a here's a here's a, a slight conversation mm-hmm. piece for us here um it has either happened or is about to happen in the show there is a handprint which they managed to pull out on the shoe yeah 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 what's noticeable about the handprint is there's two missing fingers right okay yeah, Do you know yeah, who's yeah. missing two fingers? Who's missing two fingers? The woman who was beaten up that worked at the crab place. Oh, right. Same two fingers. Like you see any shot in episode one, any shot, you see that she's missing two fingers. So what, what would her motivation be? Well, if she helped with the cleaning... I don't know if she's involved, but maybe she cleaned up. Maybe it's a print from something. Maybe she cleaned up clothes earlier on, and that's a false print. Okay. What I'm saying is it's red herring territory. I yeah, think yeah. it's steering us in the wrong direction. Okay, This All is right. the clue they show, and she's missing two fingers, and we know that they went up to clear up there. Okay. Or clean up there. So. All right. All right. I'm mm. with you. I'm, I'm you with me now? Like, yeah. But I'm also thinking, like, well, what? I mean, did she? I don't think she was involved with the death. No, right. But what if she knew Annie Kay? What if? Or maybe she was up there cleaning and she found the tongue. Oh yeah. Oh okay. All right. (laughs) I can't wait till we we watch this next episode. So much stuff, Bo. All right. Still not even my theory. Still not even my theory. So we cut over to Navarro. Mm-hmm. Who is driving like an asshole while singing uh wannabe Spice Girls. Spice Girls. Yeah. And she as she's kind of rooting around, she finds this necklace that's got a crucifix on it. Yeah. And she has a flashback to her crazy mother having this. And by crazy, I of course mean severely mentally troubled. Oh yeah, it's like she is rocking and screaming. I mean, it looks like she's being exorcised yeah. or something. The cut on this as well, like the fade, uh, the fade into this is the sound of a woman screaming. Yes. And it comes out of fucking nowhere. And immediately, we only get a flash of yeah. this. And then Navarro throws the crucifix out the window, which is 100% coming back. Yeah. Like, we are going to find that somewhere and it's going to freak Navarro yeah. out. Chekhov's crucifix. I love yes, it both. Absolutely. <laughs> so then Navarro goes to the minor dude who said he didn't know the guy from the picture earlier yep. when we know he was full of shit at the at the diner. Oh, and yeah. it turns out that he bought a trailer from this minor guy's cousin. Yeah. 
and he she's like well why didn't you give me the information earlier and um he's like oh well i didn't want to say anything at the time and he was like i and navarro's like i think you didn't give me the information because you didn't like annie yeah and he's like oh whatever and so <laughs> uh so navarro is now on the hunt for this trailer that this dude uh, and there not. will be nothing in this trailer, Bo. This oh. will be a empty. This trailer, by the way, is just like the most true detective. Like, the, like the, the only way it could be more true detective is if she opened the door and Russ Cole was sitting in there going, well, I took you so long. Uh-huh. You know, like, it's like, like oh, Bo. I've been waiting for you. Um, yeah, Time so. is a flat circle. Um, we get uh, a great scene with John Hawk, who I think is proving that he is, in fact, just a doofus in this. I still show. don't know. I, 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 a doofus or a manipulator? I think a doofus. I mean, this conversation he is having with this crazy mail order bride that's got him on where the He hook. takes a photo of himself and a photo where he looks dramatically younger to send over to her. Yes. Thus manipulating her to come over. Well, but also is sending money to her for her mother's vacation or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like from that point of view. Well, well listen, if Jigsaw can give money to some Mexicans for a cure for cancer but still at the same time set up the most elaborate murder factory, then, like, Hank can send money to his mail-order dra- uh, bride, but still be on the take with all those... Why does he have so many case files in his house, Bo? It's a fine question. Like, I'm not And why saying... does he react the way he reacts with his son when he finds that one box is missing? Well, all right. I, I think both of us agree that he probably got paid off. I think so, yeah. So I don't think that he's clean, but I don't think he's smart. Because <laughs> um, why on earth, like, why wouldn't you say, oh, if these files are that important, it turns out, guess what? They actually did get, yeah, you know, washed away when the flood happened or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, he's showing off his house, you know, like, look at this arena. And then yeah. uh, he discovers that, oh, there's this empty space where those files should be. And he realizes, like, oh, well, Pete. Like, Son of a bitch! Yeah. And so uh, Pete and Danvers are on the streets out, out, uh, um, you know, on the, the main streets of Ennis when they both are kind of chatting about Clark. And, like, here's what I found. Here's what you found. Mm-hmm. Both of us can agree there was something fucking wrong with Clark. <laughs> but the question then, as she puts it, the question is, why did the men put up with it? Like, what was yeah. going on that they would allow this dude to just lose his mind uh in in their midst and salal it turns out is funded by the tuttle group that does everything from video games to you know crops or whatever he says is this so explicitly season one yes that it's like it's the same tuttle has to be has oh, to of be. course it does. Of course, this this does. plays into my theory later on, Bo. All right, all right. So, uh, Pete is like, "Well, I gotta, you know, go take care of my kids," and she's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> like, you don't, you don't, you don't have a kid anymore. Right. You have work. This work, this investigation is your child. Go and bath it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, she's like, hey, you need to go babysit that pile of people we found. And uh, by the way, I'm going to just go by your house. And this is the scene you alluded to earlier where yeah. Danvers rolls in like a fucking hurricane. Yeah, like just opens the door, pretty much takes her jacket off, goes across, checks on young Darwin, like what, like barely makes any conversation with Pete's wife or girlfriend or whatever she is, um, out with the fact that she's nipping her head by saying like that. You couldn't just send him home. It's his night to bath, Darwin. He's been looking forward to it for ages. She's like, yeah, 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 like that. Like, she's like yada yada yadas are out the way. Goes around the corner and Leah is sitting with Superstitious Granny, who is painting temporary lines down her chin, mm-hmm. um, like Inuit women have. Um, and of all the things, like like this is this is <laughs> this is Al Pacino in Heat, where he's like that. You can fuck my wife, Ralph. You can sit around here in our postmodernistic bullshit apartment, but you cannot. You will not. You absolutely won't. Watch my motherfucking television! Like, fucking tears of telly at the wall. Because one episode ago, Leah, like, filmed essentially child porn on her phone with her friend. And Danvers was annoyed, but she wasn't furious, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got a couple of lines on her chin here, and she goes... Like, oh, like this is the biggest overreaction ever. Which makes me think we're going to find out some stuff. Do we think Danvers maybe, maybe a little bit racist? Uh, I would not put it past her because she's got that kind of combative attitude. She doesn't want to be there. Nope. Um, she keeps she keeps saying to Navarro, well, maybe your spirit animal. Like yeah. you what did your spirit get? Like it's it's very dismissive to people that aren't her. I think yes. And I think her reaction, because I wondered about that too, is her reaction like you're too good for this? Yeah. Uh which is a, a very, you know, racially charged reaction to something mm-hmm. like that. But um Yeah, and and I mean, she's just like uh, coming in like a wrecking ball uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> look, I'm just going to ride on this chain, this big iron ball I'm coming right <laughs> through the wall, Dr. Lecter. Anyway, but she, she, when she's talking to Pete's <laughs> wife or his partner and, uh, you know, she's complaining about the fact like, hey, Pete was supposed to come home mm. and take care of the kids. And, oh, you're going to thank me for this one day because, you know. Uh, he's just underfoot and being a pain in the ass and uh, I'm doing you a favor. And um, his, his partner is like, do your fucking favors for your own family, not mine. Yeah. And this is before she gets into it with the grandmother. Yeah. And that's the thing that gets her kicked out of the house. Like it's a straight up, get out of my house. Like you, like you, you don't need a man in your house. Like yeah. he's just going to annoy you. It's just like like she's got a very, and I, I dare say we're going to find out a little bit more about this. But she's got a very severed outlook on men in general. Like men are there for one thing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm not against that. But that's you know that's the, how she looks at things. Um, any very practical way. And she's basically saying, listen, if he was here, all he'd be doing is getting under your feet and annoying you. I'm doing you a favor right now. Um, trying to pass the blame off 
Like you see this thing I've done as a negative. Actually, what I'm doing is I'm helping you here. It's a it's a very straight. She's a she's an interesting character. She's a really interesting character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like then she gets into it with the grand who and this is fucking amazing. She's called like a, a lot. I can't remember what she got like. She just like hurls abuse at her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is the one of the most disrespectful things you can do. Is like coming into the not your house. Yeah. And taking this like grand matriarch of the family and just being like. <laughs> Quit doing this voodoo bullshit with my, <laughs> you know, adopted my daughter. not daughter. Yeah, and and even like the partner is like, no, no, no. She's just, you know, like she's just listening to about some of the native traditions of this area and things like that. She's curious about mm-hmm. her culture, and yeah, and Danvers just is not having it, and and yeah, and again, just immediately gets kicked out. Uh, like like she's about like, like she's in a bar about yeah. to start a brawl where they're like you gotta fucking go you are disrupting the peace um but then we go over to navarro and her sister jules mm. who are just shopping in a store and i really like this scene because i think it's fun to see what this store at the top of the world looks like yeah and it's just like the bare essentials but a lot of them yeah, like a giant ass jar of Nutella, which made my heart happy. Yeah, like all everything you buy is in fucking bulk. You know, yeah. it's it was. I thought that was really interesting. But the thrust of the scene is Julie is still going through some mental health issues. Navarro brings up the lighthouse, the lighthouse, yeah. and she's like, "I don't want to go back there because all they did was give me drugs." And Navarro kind of relents and is like, "Okay, I won't send you back there." And yeah. and that's kind of well. No, no, it's not. She's not been to the lighthouse. She doesn't want to go back into care because the last time she was in care, she was given too much drugs. Right, right. They over medicated her, and she yeah. felt like a zombie. So she hasn't been to the lighthouse yet. Yeah. In fact, none of us have been to the lighthouse yet, Bo. So uh, Leah, speaking of getting a sexy pick from her girlfriend, that's like, "Hey, come to the store after hours and hang out," mm. and. Leah's upstairs, grounded, of course. Yeah. And Danvers is downstairs like She tries to sneak out. She tries to sneak out here and she's starting to go down the stairs and Danvers is like, will you help me put up this fucking Christmas? Yeah. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) And Leah's like, I'm in bed. Do it yourself. Yeah. And then just sneaks out her window instead. And then we get like Primo Danvers trying to put up a Christmas tree, which is a joy I didn't know I needed. Well, this is kind of how I take the Christmas tree out of the loft, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, oh, you fucking motherfucker. Like, like, and the music in the background is all like, Merry Christmas. And I'm like, fucking just separate. Um, so Leah goes to the store and makes out with her girlfriend. Yeah, she does. Meanwhile, Danvers, going through all the Christmas stuff, finds the polar bear from the credits with the one eye. Which was uh, her the- kid. It, yeah well i don't again i'm not sure if ghost it was kid. her kid it ghost was kid this is the kid that put the hand over her his name was like holden or yeah it's holden it is definitely the son of the teacher and the brother of leah yeah and but anyway clearly what happened duncan i'm getting ahead of us because i don't think anyone has said this outright but clearly what happened was he was killed by a drunk driver yeah 
that fractured the relationship and yep. Leah ended up staying with Jodie Foster during this breakup, yep. uh, which is real messy, but it happens. And mm. um, so, yeah, that's clearly what's happening here. Anyway, she calls Pete to get Clark's credit history. And this is about the time that John Hawk shows up at the roller rink or the skating rink to uh, give Pete one across the chops. Yeah, right, right, Tarn Clyde. Yeah. And it's like, don't you go in my house to steal. And he's like, your mother didn't even do that when she left us, but you stole from me. And he's like, by the way, Danvers is not your blood. Don't mm. don't forget who who you have a loyalty to. Um, so once again, making it clear, like, oh, that Pete is not Danvers' kid. Yeah. But it sure seems like Danvers and John Hawks had a fling at some point. Oh yeah, yeah. And like I think she's I think she's fucked everything with a possible. <laughs> speaking of, she shows up at Doctor Who's house. It's like <laughs> Doctor Who, I think we ought to fuck right now. <laughs> and he's like, Rose. Anyway. There, there's there is a there is a lot of this is the last time we're doing this, which I yeah. kinda love because this is the maybe the most human thing. What TV if, shows don't capture this right. Like people are weak. Yeah. Like, like you know, this is the last time we're ever doing this, which is code for we're doing this again. My my favorite part of their fucking is when he clearly is about to come, and she goes, yeah. "Don't you dare! Don't you dare fucking come! <laughs> don't you dare come!" Is yeah. so funny. Yep. Um, Connolly ends up. I think Connolly did go a little bit early and ends up smashing her wee's floppy um, yeah. until she gets there. But she gets there, she which gets is the there. main thing. Um, Respectable. Respect. So when they finally collapse back into bed, he's like, I know, you, just be honest with me. You're fucking with me about this case, right? Like, yeah. you're doing this just to fuck with me. And she gets pissed off about it. It just leaves. Well, she gets pissed off because I think. I think this is going to bear out here. I think her... Something happened with her and Navarro, right? Mm -hmm. Where I think they genuinely felt they could solve the, the Annie Kay case, right? I think along the way, something happens. I think they've alluded to it once or twice, a Waters or a Walters or something. It, like the, There was some running with this. This is essentially why Navarro got busted down assignment and Danvers re remained where she was. But I think at that point, Danvers decided she was no longer investing time in solving difficult things, right? Mm. And I think as a result of this, I think this is, like, she decided, I, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get my redemption because she clearly sees as a relation to the Annie Kay thing, right? So she's like, this is my chance to close this out, right? And I think as a result of that, the, the will that she's maybe burned up with people who now just assume that she's uh if it gets too difficult, she'll if it gets too shitball, she's gonna send it somewhere else. I think she is taking offense to that presumption that she can't close this case. Like she's not capable mm -hmm. of doing this. Whereas we know as the audience, and I think everyone else is about to find out, she's a fucking lot smarter than what a lot of them give her credit for. I think they're going to find that. She's been... I'd be interested to find out what it was that got her... I don't even know if the show will go into it in the six episodes, but why she was put there. 
Yeah, that, I'm also quite curious about that. And I think I, I think we will find out why. Yeah. What? Why did Doctor Who decide that she was... Was she be... an incredible cop? She lost the kid and then like, just kind of gave up a little bit and they moved her there because she was too much trouble where she was elsewhere. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And then it's, why it's, would why would Leah and the dad be there? So, like, I feel like that is since I've been in Ennis. I don't think, like, you think, I, I'm, I'm not with it that the teacher's a dad. I just think that's a fuck buddy. Yeah, okay, maybe. I, I, I think I think Leah's dad died with the kid in the car. Okay, maybe so, maybe so. Um, mm. oh, speaking of, all right, let's get back into clues and investigation. Because yep. after well, that... she takes off from Doctor Who's place, she, gets <laughs> yeah, a... she fucking closes the door and calls him a prick or something. Yeah. <laughs> she gets a call from the tattoo artist. That yeah. they were, you know, again, we're kind of trucking in terms of pacing in this mm-hmm. episode. Um, like, yes, we discovered all these tattoos. Now we've got the tattoo artist. Yeah. And there was a model for the tattoo, which, surprise, mm-hmm. surprise, turned out to be Annie Kay. Yes. And so Jodie Foster then shows up at Navarro's and she's like, hey, not only was there this tattoo connection... The tongue has now been confirmed to to have been Annie Kay's. Yeah, it's also been fr- there's signs that it's been out oh, of cellular cellular decay that it was frozen. It's been stored somewhere cold. Yes, yes, there is cellular unusual cellular damage with the tongue, yeah. and they agreed to work the case together. And then they're done. They're like, it's not like, hey, we're not getting the band back together. We're yeah. just we are going to come together, solve the Annie Kay case. In this case, then we're going to go our separate ways again. Mm-hmm. So Leah is on her way home from making out with her girlfriend and sees some flashing lights and goes over to the ice rink where decides to scare the ever loving fuck out of Pete. Yeah. And it's kind <laughs> who's of an... staring at like a fucking melting corpsicle. Yeah. Um watching it slowly I love the sound of this as well, because you hear like all the ice slowly cracking and and stuff like that. It's, cre- it's creepy already, and he's stuck in there, he's watching TikTok videos. And she comes in and is like, oh. and he, like, if he doesn't shit himself, he pretty much does. Yeah. there. Oh, there's definitely streaks. <laughs> and it's a really nice scene. It's just, it's sort of a human scene between the two of them and their very brother-sister. Yeah. And, you know, it's a lot about, like, her remembering how Liz and her dad used to be fun and dance and all this stuff. And, and she was happy. Yeah, right. When, you know, before... Uh, this accident clearly Mm -hmm. and so and he tells the story about hank used to be a musician and he wanted to be in a band and all the rest and like from the time that he was born he can't ever remember seeing his dad play anything so he just gave up that dream and just settled into being a police officer which i thought was kind of cool as well so they share those stories um and against the backdrop of decay <laughs> crack yeah. and ice uh but it, yeah it's a, a nice moment between them and then there's navarro showing up at kavik's place mm-hmm. and scaring him while he's in the bath <laughs> and um he he <laughs> she gives him shit because she's like oh when i told you i wasn't coming over did you jerk off like are you yeah. <laughs> are you down for the count right now 
And he's like, well, you know, I mean, give me a minute. And she's <laughs> it's like, been a ah. long day. Yeah. Well, that's like, the other thing to take into account. That, like the 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 lack of daylight in this has thrown everything off because yeah. he basically makes her breakfast. Yeah, he's making her pancakes. But it's pitch black outside. So the concept, the time is just. Yeah. It's fucking with me. It's and very like, disorienting, which which I like. I like the fact oh, it's that amazing. you never oh, it's, know what time anything is. Yeah. Um, and as they're talking, you know, she's kind of talking her way through the case and about this trailer and, you know, she's like, uh, you know, it, it's like Danvers always says, I'm not asking the right question. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess my question is, where would I store if I bought a trailer, where would I keep it? And they both are like, oh, in the nook. Yeah. And she's like, fuck. All right. I got to go. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so I mean, what does he care? He jerked off. He's fine. Yeah, um, well, it's like he just spent all that time making her breakfast. Yeah, I suppose he's now got two breakfasts. So, when <laughs> and Navarro goes to check it out, and it finds it there, like all covered in snow. And meanwhile, Danvers is going through um some files from clark and she's like mm-hmm. all right dr lecter tell me something about yourself <laughs> and like some of the the pages look fine and then it gets into real all work and no play territory it's 100 percent the shining yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like all these repeated phrases over and over and all these different shapes and stuff and navarro then calls danvers and is like hey you need to get to the nook i found this trailer excuse me and they when danvers gets there and comes in we're kind of experiencing the trailer from her point of view and she comes in and there's like animal bones and shit all over the dining table of this trailer Mm -hmm. and then uh navarro has also found annie's phone Yes, our phone, our smash screen phone, which was never recovered from the original crime scene. Right. So Annie has been in this trailer. Or he's lifted her phone and put it there for safekeeping. Or that. But there's this big spiral. On oh, the like the whole the fucking inside of the place has all those wicker things from season one. Yeah. Right. Everywhere. Like everywhere. And then there's a fucking giant spiral in the ceiling and then on the bed there is a construct mummy Mm -hmm. of a human being lying facing up at the spiral yep and i was like oh oh oh, oh, oh." spirals and while they're checking this out and they're just like what the fuck is this Pete calls and is like, hey, we've got a problem. You need to come back to the the pile of bodies. Mm-hmm. So they do. They go back to the pile of bodies. And uh, Pete is like, all right, check this out. We've got this person, this person, this person, this person. The problem is there's no Clark. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yep, there is no Clark in this pile. And so Clark must be out there alive somewhere. Yeah, or certainly they have six bodies, not seven, and then transitions into closing credits of Florence and the Machine with the song Seven Devils. Yeah, and I'm like, who are you doing in this, Lopez? You're just like, (laughs) at least she's just like, she's just fucking throwing things at me like ninja stars. Yeah, so that's all we know so far. I am still, I am still on my bullshit with the um, 
this is going to be a uh, these guys at the institute did something heinous to Annie Kay or another woman or something, and th- th- like there is something being visited upon them as, as a result of that. I am still on that for right now. Right, ready for my theory? Yes, please, because it right. sounds like yours is bananas. Um, right. So in this episode, we got a really interesting bit of information that was just completely glossed over very, very, very quickly when he was she was chatting to the cleaner. When she mentioned Annie Kay, and she's like, Annie, why, like, the, Annie Kay was a midwife, midwife, bro, mm-hmm. midwife, right? Okay, okay. I think the Tuttle Institute is using the lighthouse to abduct women, young women, vulnerable women, mm-hmm. um, and put them into their weird sex trade. I think they're sex trafficking. And I think Annie found out. I think the totals paid off. So would we have more missing women in the area then? I think it's like, I think that's a case of, it's basically what the season's about, isn't it? They don't care about right. Inuit women at all being, I don't even think Inuit's the right word. Um, Native women. Yeah, I I, I think they don't care. I think this could be, we've not seen where the lighthouse is yet. I don't even know if it's even in town. It could be out with. But I think think young women are being sent there. And I think they're... It's Tuttle. Why would Tuttle get mentioned? Right, the Tuttle Institute? But like, we're, we're leaning so hard into season one. And what would they do? They were kidnapping young girls. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. My all right, all right. I think that I think Annie Key found out, and I think she was silenced because of it. You you look so fucking proud of yourself right now. I I I, 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 I think is that, I, you, why would they mention that she was a midwife? Yeah, no, I think it's you're such right. a I, such a yeah. weird throwaway I, line. I and hope... no one's mentioned it since or anything, and it's such a it's a weird profession to have there. Yeah, I hope if the handprint really is a, a red herring, I hope that comes up and is dispatched pretty quickly. I'm hoping so as well. I I'm hoping that what we find out is that she helped clean up and yeah. Uh, the area or like like something along those lines that she's helped there because to me that doesn't feel satisfying as a detail yeah but it's definitely if you go back and watch episode one the woman at the beginning who has got the black eye has only got three fingers right and and it feels right to make that connection yeah like i'm i'm on board with all that i just like i said i just hope that at the end of the day they're like Oh yeah, I'm, yeah like I'm. We're, we're gonna tease you for an episode and then yeah, get rid of this. I think the the she's awake that we keep hearing out with him saying that is just in the sim track. I think it's like you know, like how Suspiria has which. Mm-hmm. I think it's just that. I don't think any other character is actually hearing that at all. Okay. But I mean, we still have somebody shivering and saying she's awake. A hundred, hundred, like he. But, then, but if that's Clark, then he's. Yeah, but that's Clark. Clark talks to himself. Yeah, is yeah. I don't think I think Clark is red herring. I don't think I think Clark was in love with Annie Kay. I think there's a, a high probability that the other scientists in that place, maybe paid by Tuttle, did something to Annie Kay, 
I think he's had to live with that as a secret and it has eaten him alive. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting idea that the the way But I I think all I think all comes back to Tall. Okay. Like why would they mention it? It's too much season one. It's too much season one for me. My brain can't handle it both. There is at like episode five, somebody's gonna open a door and Matthew McConaughey's gonna be there. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. right. Yeah. It's like it's just it sure is dark up here. Yeah. Now, I saw a couple of reviews of this episode going up online where people were dissing this again, and I honestly don't know what TV show they're this watching. This episode? Yeah, yeah, so far oh, this, this right. like, just, it's it doesn't feel like True Detective, um, the acting subpar, like, acting is subpar, is what I've heard, and I just don't get it. I just yeah, don't I mean, get it. I think this is brilliant. Yeah, people want the thing that they're that they've they've had yeah, but that thing that they're wanting happened 10 years ago yeah but and right i i agree i like <laughs> i think this is everything that i wanted about i wanted in reference to season one like the yeah. fact that it's playing with it in such yeah. an overt way is is really great but yeah. i love i love kind of clocking all the you know the references to other horror movies as Issa Lopez, which is all through. the way through this, yeah. and she's like, and like you say, she's not hiding any of it, which kind of makes me love it even more. Yeah, you know she's what's just not? Like, hey, it's... I'm gonna, I'm gonna rip off. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw. Had, on the first it, like, if it was like, if it was just the VHS of the thing in that room, I would have been like, Ugh. you know, where you see yeah, horror yeah. movies and someone walks in and the thing posters on the wall, and you're like. All right, cool. Um, in the case of this one, like the fact that it's all the way through it, we're just getting consistent nods and references to lots of. She's thrown up. Give her credit. She's thrown a lot of shit at the wall. She has four episodes to wrap this up. Um, and if she wasn't the director of Tigers Are Not Afraid, then I would be panicking right now. But I know that she is, and that movie is fucking incredible. And I can't wait to see where the show goes. Yeah, I've been really impressed by this. I think it's really fun. Like, like I said earlier, this is maybe the most enjoyable season in terms of just like pure entertainment value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of like when I'm in the middle of an episode, I'm like, oh, this is so good. Like eating my popcorn yeah. and, you know, <laughs> it's it's really fun. It's a good time watching this and it doesn't it doesn't feel like I'm having a good time in in and sacrificing the show getting stupid or something, yeah. you know? yeah. It, it's just like it's got a real pace to it it's got a real like creepy energy to it mm. and i just really dig it i'm having a great time with this you know if the the thing is if they went down the it was like a man or it was like a group of men or if they went down that it was a spirit or it was a contagion or whatever they want to do i'd be fine with any of that mm-hmm yeah, you know, at this stage, yeah. I'd be fine with any of it. I don't need the if it moves into the supernatural world, it loses me. I if it does that, fucking great. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is is so far two episodes and one third of the way through the season. Um, Duncan and Bo are excited. And if you're following the you know three act structure at the end of Act One, our detectives have resolved to work together and they are off on their adventure. And yeah. Uh, well done, uh, dramatic theory. Um, <laughs> Duncan, where can people find you between now and the next time we talk low a week from now? 
Uh, please check me out on the podcast under the stairs, tputzcast.com, if you will. Um, I will, by the time this episode drops, have concluded my top 20 movies of 2023, and I'll be on to some other such nonsense, so please check it out. It's also available on YouTube. Just type in podcast under the stairs. Excellent. And uh, if you're listening to this, you can hear more of me at the Dark Parade. Uh, most recently, we dropped the Heart of Horror episode with Kay Pollock. Um, coming up in the very near future, I'm embarking on a journey where I watch all of the witchcraft movies. Why you ask? Because I don't, I don't like myself very much. And, uh, you know, apparently I have too much time in my hands. <laughs> um, but no, it's actually, I, I it, it's more, justify it. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a study of sleeves. And uh, something that I've been wanting to do, um, even though those movies are dreadfully boring. Oh, no, we don't. Uh, There's some fun to be had. If anything, Bo, or what have you been watching, good or bad? Well, you won't have to struggle to pick a bad. You know, yeah, I mean, yes, they're trash movies. um, But uh, I don't know. Like, they're barely movies. And that's, (laughs) that's the thing. Uh, that I find kind of interesting about them, but I've like I've been digging into the weird history of those movies, and anyway, like again, it's not. I am not doing this because I think the movies themselves are good or even worth talking about, but there's an interesting story to the franchise as a thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, every now and again, I I, I like my crap. And I, I like I like to think about how how did this crap happen? Yeah, and uh, and so that's where I am with it. But at any rate, uh, there's that coming uh, soon. Um, so anyway, um, we will be back in a week to talk more True Detective as we finally get our grubby little mitts on episode three immediately after this show wraps up. Um, if there is nothing else, then no no other business on the table. The only thing I have left to do is to uh, to say to my good friend Duncan, say good night, Duncan. I'm going to shorten it down and say, say good night, Duncan. Oh, just when you thought, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. I don't either. <laughs>